If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. That's where we've been over the last several weeks. We've been in the book of Acts. Actually, we've been there for the last several months. And uh, man, we've really just kind of dissected what it means uh, to, to be led as a church under the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the book of Acts is not about church planning. The book of Acts is not really about the first church. It's, it's not really about what Christians do after Jesus has already ascended. The book of Acts is really about the work of the Holy Spirit here in history. And so that's what we've been seeing. So that's where we are this morning in the book of Acts. But man, how many of you love you some freedom? How many of you love us some freedom? Okay, good. One of you love to be free, man. This is America, right? Like we're in America here. Freedom, right? Like we love some freedom. We love some freedom here in this country. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. We can deport the rest of you to Russia and see how you like it at another time. Man, we love the idea of living free. Live free or die trying, right? I'm gonna, you, I want you to finish this for me. Land of the free and home of the? Man, we just spent a whole week here in America. Last week called it Freedom Week. We spent the whole week talking about what it means to be free. And then we cap it off with the 4th of July. And we kind of honor what, you know, honor what it means to be a country that's independent and, and so forth. And man, I don't know if anything says America like a bottle rocket going off at 3 a.m. Right? I don't know if anything says America just quite like that. I think I'm pretty sure at some point my neighbors stopped shooting off fireworks and were just shooting 12 gauges into the sky. Like that's America, right? Like I don't think anything says America like a good old-fashioned hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July. Man, I, I believe this year like the record was in 10 minutes somebody ate 71 hot dogs. America, right? America. Man, praise God, pass the ammo. We, you see, we love the idea of being free. We love the idea of living in a country that's free. We love the idea of being independent, that we get to make our own choices. We love the idea of, of living here in America, being able to, to speak sometimes what's on our minds, being able to kind of publish what's on our minds and speak freely. But you see, it's entirely possible to be free here in America, but still live in spiritual bondage. It's entirely possible to live in a physically free state while at the same time being in complete spiritual bo- spiritual bondage, meaning that our bodies, our bodies might be free and our minds might be free, but our hearts and our souls are still captive to something totally different. It's entirely possible for that to happen. For us to live in chains for our bodies to be free, to go wherever we like to go, but for our souls, for our hearts to still be in chains. It's entirely possible to do that. Now, some of you are like, okay, I'm not really in chains. I don't really understand what you mean by that. Some of us here this morning are still bound by things like alcohol, still bound by things like worry, still bound by things like pornography, still bound by things like anxiety, still bound by things that we're still chasing after, addictions. And some of you here this morning aren't really free. You're not really free. 
Like you can go where you can get the car and go wherever you want to go. You can say, you know, pretty much whatever it is that you want to say. But I know it and you know it. I don't have to convince you of it this morning. You know that you're not living free. That there's something that's still tying you down, something that's not liberating to you in this life. And so what we're looking at this morning in the book of Acts, we're, we've been following Paul. He's on this missionary journey. He's kind of kind of found some new places to go and share the gospel, right? He's kind of moved out. He's left Antioch. We're, wa- we're walking through this kind of on Paul's first missionary journey. And some of the people that he's going to meet on this first missionary journey are people just like what I just described. They're in chains. They're bound. They're living in this lifestyle that says we, we need to be free. We, we want to be free. We want to be liberated from something that's really holding us back. And so kind of bear that in mind this morning. And I just want to say up front, we're going to be reading a lot of Scripture this morning. It's a ton. Like, I promise you, it's a ton. As we get into it, you're going to be like, man, that's a lot of Scripture. All right, this is probably more Scripture than we've read in a long time, maybe ever. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask of you up front. I'm just going to ask you, just go ahead and turn that on, like turn that on in your mind. Kind of track along with us, all right? I know some of you didn't have your coffee this morning, but we're going to be in Acts 13, starting in verse 13, and if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see it right over there at our Connect table, or the words will be up on the screen. So now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, and they came to Perga and Pamphylia. That's a lot of gibberish. We'll get to that in just a little bit. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and they sat down. And after reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul, in the midst of the synagogue, he stood up. And motioning with his hand, he said, Men of Israel and you you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers, and he made the people great during their stay In the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, not me, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am un- I'm not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, or nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every single Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. 
And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And being and we bring you good news that what God has promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he's spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, he says, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and he saw corruption. But he who God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should become about. He says, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. And it says, and as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after meeting of the synagogue, after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism, they followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we hear your word and as we hear about Paul's journey here, God, we see that he's speaking to a people that may very well be where we are this morning. Some of us still in spiritual bondage, still feel just that heavy heart that something's missing, something's not right. And I've been going down this path and I've been pursuing this one thing and I know that it's just leaving me empty over and over and over. Father, we take from the words of Paul that in Jesus Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, then we can be freed from anything. Freed from everything that cannot, we cannot be freed from law, from religion. And so we just ask this morning that through your spirit, God, that you speak to us, that you bring us freedom. Lord, that our souls might experience the same freedom that we might think we have here as citizens of this country. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So we talked about this last week. That Paul, again, is on this missionary journey, and just kind of like I said last week, that if this looks a little blurry to you, you might want to get your eyes checked, because this is perfectly fine. But everything, pretty much, everything about Christianity, you got that, some of you just went right over your head. You're like, what's this guy talking about? Everything in Christianity started right here in Jerusalem. And that's kind of where Jesus was hung on the cross, that's where it all went down, this is where the Holy Spirit comes down. But it doesn't stay there for long. We saw that in Acts 7, 
that once the church is persecuted, it, it kind of scatters, that the church is scattered, moving out from Jerusalem into places like Judea and into places like Samaria. And then we see that it even goes up as far as this place right here called Antioch. Now this is where we, we kind of spent most of our time last week where we said that this is where Christians first get called Christians, right? Little Christ. This is where they first get called that right here in Antioch. And this is like one of the big hubs for all of Christianity. This is where one of the most powerful churches is. And you've got here in this place, you've got Paul, you've got Barnabas. They're in here. They're, they're kind of like, man, we've got a stacked team, right? We've got a stacked team. We've got a lot of talent here in our church. But it doesn't just stay there. It says that as they're fasting and as they're praying, it says that the Holy Spirit says, you need to send out some of the best that you have here in this church. You need to send out your best. And so that's what they do. They send out some of their best. They send out Paul and they send out Barnabas. Now, as a part of this first missionary journey, they kind of journey from Antioch and they go to this place called Cyprus, which is a little island. And so as missionaries, they're on this ship. And they start at one, one end of the island, they work their way all the way down to the other end of the island, and every single place that they go in this place called Cyprus, they're just entering into a new place, entering into a new village, and they're sharing Jesus. And they enter into a new place, and they share Jesus. They enter into a new place, and they share They do this over and over and over again, finally till they cover this entire island of Cyprus. Then they move up the coast right here to what would kind of be modern day, like Turkey and places like that. They, they entered into this place called Perga, right over here. And they continue to go up north into this place called Antioch. This Antioch is a lot different from this Antioch. Two totally different places. And it says that from the passage we just read there this morning, that as they're here in this place called Antioch in Pisidia, they walk into a synagogue where the gospel hasn't necessarily reached yet. And they've got this message of Judaism, they've got this message of the law, they've got a synagogue, but the good news of Jesus hasn't quite arrived. And that's whenever Paul says, listen, as he walks into the synagogue and he says, he says listen to those of you who have, who have followed this way, you've followed this path of Judaism, you've followed this path of the law. He says, listen brothers, I want you to know something. He says, I want you to know that this thing that you're following is close, but you're not fully there. And he just kind of walks through all of history. And he tells them about how their great, 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 great grandfathers and grandmothers and great aunts, great uncles, how they used to be slaves. And how God freed them from slavery in this place called Egypt. And you can see this in the in the book of Exodus, and how God freed them from this place, and how then God sent judges, and you can see that in the book of Judges, God sent these messengers to kind of rule over the people, and to tell them how they were supposed to live, and then it says, Paul says that after God sent you these judges, God sent you the prophets, my messengers, God sent you messengers from him who had words from the Lord, and he told you how to live, and you didn't want that, and so God started sending you some kings. And God sent you kings to kind of rule over you. And after God sent you the kings, you decided that you didn't really want that either. And so God finally does something incredible where God no longer sends messengers, but God sends himself in the form of Jesus Christ. Now you have to understand here that this audience, these people here in the synagogue, all they know is following rules. 
That's all they know. They know that they're supposed to follow a bunch of rules, like don't do this, don't do that, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, don't date girls who do. That kind of a living, right? That's what my grandma used to tell me all the time. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't date girls who do. I found one who chewed. I did. I'm just kidding. That's not my wife. She does not chew. She doesn't do anything like that. But that's kind of the lifestyle that they live. Don't do this. Don't do that. But you see, what would happen is they would go to the synagogues and they would worship God with all their hearts. They would kind of lay down their sacrifices. They would kind of come to this place where they're like, oh God, we, we love you. We're going to turn it around. God, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come. We're going we're to turn it around. Or we're giving our lives back to you. And then they would go out into the city and they would follow all these idols. And they would sleep around. And they would basically live and, and treat people dishonestly. And then they come right back to the synagogue and say, God, we're going to turn it back over to you. Our lives, we're, we're giving our lives back to you. It's all about what you want. It's all about, it's all about what you want, God. And they would leave the synagogue and they'd go right back out into the world and they'd follow idols. And they'd sleep around. And they'd use their money for selfish gain. And they just created this lifestyle over and over and over and over of doing the same things over and over again. And I imagine that as they're here in the synagogue, hearing from Paul, hearing this message, that at some point they're kind of white-knuckling, like, we're not going to do it again, we're not going to do it again, we're not going to do it again, we're not going to do it again. And in walks Paul with this message of freedom. In walks Paul with this message where he says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, meaning Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Free. You can be free. A true, real freedom in Christ. And we don't have to live feeling like our souls are bound by chains, bound by weight anymore. You see, in the law of Moses that he's referring to, there's somewhere close to about 600, we believe it was like 630, 638, somewhere around in there, that many laws that every single one of these, uh, that every single person here in the synagogue, they tried to follow, basically all 630 of them. Can you imagine, like, if the church today had 630 rules, then you had to follow every single one of them. Can you imagine? What kind of lifestyle that would live? What kind of life is that, right? That's a terrible way to live. But some of them, they, they tried to do this, and they would mess up. And they would run back to God and they would ask for His forgiveness. And they would run back to God and they would ask for His goodness. It's just the cycle over and over and over. Let me ask you this morning, are you free? Are you really free this morning? Some of us don't believe in Jesus this morning and you're not free. Living a life where you don't have faith in Christ is a life that's not a life of freedom. And you talk about freedom all you want, but you don't have it. And I don't have to convince you of it this morning. I don't have to convince you of that. But you see, here's the good news that Paul just brought to this church, this synagogue right here. This is the good news that Jesus followed every rule or law that he needed to follow. And more than that, Jesus followed every single law or rule that you needed to follow. 
He fulfilled every single one of those things. He followed the law to its fullest. He was the perfect person, died in our place so that we might be reconciled to God. Died in our place. You see, it's not about being a good person. It's not about following, it's not about following this religious code. You see, if it was left up to you, we'd all be in trouble. If it was left up to me, I'd be in trouble. We'd all be in trouble if it were left up to me. But you see, whenever we follow Christ, whenever we give our lives to Him, we experience freedom, true and total freedom. And so whenever He says right here, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. By him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You could interchange that for anything. That Christ came and he has freed you now, not just from the law of Moses, but he's freed you from addiction. Not just that he's freed you from the law of Moses, but he's freed you from worry. And he's freed you from anxiety. That he's freed you from feeling like you need to fulfill these cravings by other things. Christ has freed you totally. And so that's one audience this morning. There's one audience who's, who hasn't followed in Christ and they're not free. But you see, there's another audience here this morning. And you, right, you might be really free, but you might have fallen back into those chains. And you're living like you're not free who you really experience freedom by placing your faith and trust in Jesus, but for some reason you've fallen back into this idea that you're a slave and that you're led by your cravings. You're led by these desires in your heart. And you're living as if you're a slave. Some of you might be facing some serious sin. Some of us might be bound by addictions. And I just want to remind you, too, this morning that Jesus Christ is the perfect person who stood in your place to take all those things that you should have taken. That Jesus Christ followed every single rule that you needed to follow. You see, whenever I was coming up as a teenager and I I was kind of grown up in church, you know, you kind of get this idea, you get this mindset that it's, that it's all about what I do, right? That it's all about my works. And so I just, I need to try and be a good person. I need to try and do the right thing. And if I mess up, you know what? God's really mad at me. And so what I need to do is I need to take about four or five days and whenever I clean myself up, whenever I kind of forget about it, then I can come back to God. He won't be mad at me anymore. Like, is that how it works? It's not how it works, is it? You see, whenever we're free in Christ, we're free in Christ. And there's nothing so bad that you can do that God will make God love you less. There's nothing so good that you can do that God will love you more. There's nothing so bad that you can do where God will love you less. There's nothing so bad that, that or nothing so good that you can do that God will make God love you more. And so I just want to remind you this morning. I just want to remind you if that's you. Because even the best of us sometimes sink back into believing that it's works that save us. Even the best of us sink back into this place where we're just like this audience here who is bound by chains. Even the best of us forget at times and actually think that we have something to bring to the table. 
We have nothing to bring to the table. There's absolutely nothing that we can offer that would clean ourselves up. And so those are two audiences this morning. Some of us who don't believe in Jesus and aren't free. Some of us who do believe in Jesus and have fallen back into the idea that maybe we're a slave. But you see, there's another type of audience and there's another way that we can, that we can hear this this morning in and, and kind of a way that Paul did. You see, as Paul is on this missionary journey and as he's entering into new territory, he's sharing the gospel every place that he goes. You see, because Paul realized the depths of how he used to live and realized that that he was in chains, and he said, now that I'm free from these chains, let me go and find my other brothers and sisters who are still bound by these chains. Who's still bound by chains in your life? Who do you know this morning that woke up feeling guilty? Who do you know this morning that woke up feeling the weight of their sin? Who do you know this morning that woke up feeling tied down to to things like addiction? Listen, I'll just be up front by telling you this. We had a cookout yesterday, just yesterday, um, in a neighborhood less than two miles from this school right here. And we had two or three conversations where folks were just kind of spilling their guts about either themselves or people they know were bound by addiction, like drug addiction. And as Paul... He's kind of on this missionary journey trying to find other men, women, and children that are still bound by our chains. That's our role as the church is to go and find men, women, and children that are still bound by chains. That's our role as the church. Less than two miles away from this building. Bound by drug addiction. I think about verses like Romans 10. Romans 10, that was written by the same guy, Paul. He says these words. He says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You see, there's thousands of people surrounded around this building this morning. There's thousands of people that are just waiting for good news waiting for good news and how beautiful your presence is to them whenever you bring good news that there is freedom and there's freedom in Christ. Such a beautiful picture of this. And so whenever he goes and whenever he enters into this new place, he shares the good news of Jesus. He shares the love of Christ with them. Did you see what happens there? In Acts 13, look what happens there Acts 13. Verse 48, and when, they heard the gen- and when the Gentiles had heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the, the word of the Lord. And as many were as appointed, they were, t- they were appointed to eternal life, and they believed. After the whole city had gathered together again, they gathered. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to hear more of this good news. Tell us more of this good news. And many, many more believed in Jesus because of this word of Paul. But you see, freedom doesn't come free, does it? Freedom's not free for us here in America, but it's not free for those of us who follow Christ. You see, freedom isn't necessarily free for us in Christ because somebody had to pay for this. 
And as followers of Jesus, the one who paid for this was Jesus Christ who gave his life because we're broken and messed up. Somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to pay the penalty for my mistakes, for your mistakes. Somebody had to pay for my addictions and your addictions. Somebody had to pay for your worry and your anxiety, for not trusting in him, for not trusting in God. And so what happened was God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, in flesh, just like you could see in me and you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we might place our faith and trust in him and have true and total freedom. Like, are you free this morning? Like, do you really know what freedom is like by placing your faith and trust in Jesus? Like, I want you to understand that, that if you follow Christ, that you don't have to carry around, around this weight anymore. You don't have to carry around the shame anymore because Christ took your shame. You don't have to carry around this, this weight of burden and, and, and worry about punishment because Christ took your punishment. I wonder if you, you understand that this morning. I wonder if you truly feel that this morning. Because I know, for, I know that for myself, and I, I'm sure of this for you, there's probably been moments where you messed up. And you really messed up, and you knew it. And you're like, man, somebody's going to pay for that one. Mm, somebody's going to feel that one. But somebody already did pay for it. In Jesus Christ. Somebody already took your punishment. Somebody took the weight of your shame so that you don't have to feel that shame anymore. Somebody took the weight of your punishment so that you don't have to go through that punishment one day whenever you stand before God our Father. I wonder if you feel that this morning. What we've done this morning is we've kind of opened up the table here and we want this to be a time of remembrance where we come and we worship Christ to the fullest, where we take of the juice or we take of the bread and where we remember how it was Christ's blood that was shed for us. Where we remember that it was Christ's body that was broken for us. And what we've done this morning is we've kind of had a little bit of an extended time where we want you to just literally take the bread, take the juice, go back to your, go back to your seat and just have some alone time with the Lord. Just have some alone time with the Lord where you can confess sin. Where you can open up and truly say, God, I've, I've messed up. I've been running hard from you. I know that I've, I've kind of gone off the deep end here a little bit. And I'm ready to come back. And I'm ready to come back. And the only way that I can come back is because you've made the first move and, and the most significant move in coming after me. Some of you here this morning, Jesus Christ is pursuing you hard. You know how I know it? Because you're here. And if Christ wasn't pursuing you, you wouldn't be here. So what we're going to ask this morning is that you would come and just take the juice, take the bread, go back to your seat. We're going to have just a, a, a kind of a few moments of, of kind of silence, quiet time. If you need to find somebody in here this morning and go and maybe confess sin, we'd ask that you would go and confess that sin to them, another brother, maybe a huddle partner or a missional community friend or something like that where you confess your sin. And here's the deal. Listen, if you're not free this morning, we want you to understand this, that that this is kind of a time of remembrance where we look back on Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus, then that's your first step this morning. It's not a time of remembrance, but it's a time of surrender, right? And so if you're here and you've never really started a relationship with Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, 
then we want that to be your first move this morning. I'll be in the back of the room this morning if you'd like to pray with anybody about following Jesus, about what that means. I'll be in the back. Some of you here this morning, you've got sin. Maybe you'd like to confess that. I'm there to pray with you too. Some of you are here this morning and you're hurting. And we recognize that too. And and we want to offer this up as a place to pray for you. Just pray that you would be obedient, whatever that is. And here's how we're going to close this morning. We're going to close in a time of celebration. Where we celebrate what God has done for us in sending His Son, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, we just open it up for you to do whatever it is that you want to do. We open up ourselves. We open up this this room, this atmosphere, and this environment just for the Holy Spirit to work. As we take of the juice here, we remember, and as it goes down our throats, we remember your blood that flowed down from the cross. As we take of the bread, we remember your body that was crushed on our behalf. As we confess sin this morning before you, we, we kind of embrace that shame that you took as you're sitting on the cross before family and friends. And we realize that because you did that, God, we don't have to be shameful anymore. God, we realize that as you're on the cross, you took our punishment, so there's no need for us to feel guilt. There's no need for us to feel that worry, that shame. There's no need for us to feel that weight of of impending doom on our lives. Because you paid it all. In Him, who is alive, we have freedom from everything that we could not be freed by anything in this life. We love you, Jesus. Do what it is that you want to do this morning. It's in your name we pray.